Diana. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I'm in the UK, so uh, it is afternoon here. Um, let me uh, please first thank Tim and Diana for the uh, opportunity to speak to you today. Hopefully it'll be a bit more illuminating than all the World Cup related guff that we've been assaulted with over the past few weeks. Uh, second, what a final. I just think um, I had to say that for all the self-righteous bluster uh, uh, about the uh, hosting of Qatar, um, I think that um, this was probably the best World Cup final I've seen. And I remember 1982, which was brilliant. Um, so um, well done to Argentina and commiserations to France. Uh, of course, we know who the real winner is, which is uh, Palestine. Uh, or maybe not. I, I have to give you a little spoiler alert here. I'm not somebody who believes that this has been a huge victory for Palestine, uh, that the fact that the uh, uh, Palestinian flag was waved everywhere has been some sort of a bloody nose for Israel. I don't think it was. I understand why we would want it to be. <clears throat> and I think there are good reasons for this. But ultimately, while it has given us a warm glow inside as Palestinians, uh, and it's provided a timely reminder that actually Palestine as an issue is still very much alive amongst uh, Arab uh, peoples. I'm afraid the World Cup will change little for the better, at least where it matters. It'll certainly do nothing for the Palestinian national team. I think Tamir might speak more about this, um, which is made up of players from 1967 occupied territory. These are barely able to meet to train because of Israeli travel restrictions. They often have to play their home games in uh, Jordan because of Israeli travel restrictions. Uh, and they rarely have a full squad, um, even when allowed to travel, partly thanks to trigger-happy soldiers or the round-up, the usual suspects approach to occupation. Nevertheless, some of the images especially the picture of a victorious Morocco team donning a huge Palestinian flag as they post photos after beating Portugal, seemed like an, in, seemed like an important message, uh, particularly to Palestinians actually, which is this, you have not been forgotten. And I think some of the more superlative sort of reactions to those scenes came from exactly the sense among many Palestinians that that's exactly what's happened, that Palestine has been forgotten and even uh, other Arabs don't care much. So to see the flag wave repeatedly at the most important sporting event on the planet has been a salve for many, prompting a sense of relief that people still care. Of course, this sense of being shunted aside, going unheard, has long been the Palestinian condition. But there is little doubt that it has reached a peak lately after, particularly after the Abraham Accords. So to get a bit political about it, um, when those accords were first signed, I think Palestinians feared and still fear that this could start some sort of a domino effect among Arab countries um, to sign similar agreements that really do nothing for Palestinians. And serve only to allow Israel to further normalize and consolidate its occupation. Um, we know the accord signed by the UAE, Bahrain, and yes, Morocco have had absolutely no positive effect on Palestinian lives whatsoever. Quite the opposite. We now have the most right-wing uh, Israeli coalition to take power, and there is some competition for that um, title, let's face it. And even 
with unabashed and outspoken racists in office. Uh, we hear nothing from these Arab countries who had otherwise promised to use their newfound good offices with Israel to help Palestinians. So yes, while Palestinians have long been disabused of the idea that their Arab brethren would someday ride to their rescue, the hope was always that fear of public backlash at least would restrain Arab countries from going the other way. So the, uh, the Abraham Accords came and went and are now a new reality. Um, but the World Cup did seem to show us a slightly different side of the Arab peoples who have little say in the doings of their rulers. Um, so this is where the World Cup was welcome. To see and hear so many um, supporters from so many countries wave the Palestinian flag and demand Palestinian freedom, especially, I have to say, to Israeli journalists, was genuinely lovely and quite funny in words. And it was comforting to think that at least fellow Arabs have not forgotten Palestine that whatever the maneuvering of their rulers, uh, there remains love and support for Palestine and Palestinians among the ordinary folks of the region. So the show of public support has been a shot in the arm for Palestinians, much needed, no doubt. But will it prevent, say, Saudi Arabia, should Riyadh be so inclined from signing another accord with Israel? Will it cause Israeli leaders to think twice about the way they treat Palestinians? Will it improve conditions? For people on the ground? I don't think so. If there's any lasting positive effect, it may be that Israelis themselves might come to realize they remain unwelcome in the region until the Palestine issue reaches a just uh, settlement. The thing is, do Israelis care? I don't think they do. This is an Israeli public that consistently votes anti-peace and uh, pro-settlement parties into power that has now gone further and given Jewish supremacists a mandate. It's a frightening, frightening situation in Israel, if you ask me. Certainly it is for any Palestinian who lives there um, and in under Israeli rule in occupied territory, and it shows, shows no sign of ending. Um, I, the next couple of years, as far as I can tell, are gonna be really uh, scary. Uh, and there's also no sense that the show of solidarity in Qatar in any way filtered back to Western audiences. Um, much of the reaction to Morocco's Palestine exploits off the field has been on social media or in Arab media. Certainly no traditional mainstream media here in the UK even picked up on this story of Arab solidarity with Palestine. None that I saw anyway. Uh, it may just be the UK, uh, as sort of US coverage of Israel is becoming more critical, the UK media seems to have stuck their collective heads in the sand, fingers and ears, eyes tightly shut, just ignoring Palestine as much as possible. This could be the Corbyn effect, fear of being called anti-Semite, fits of fatigue with a story that doesn't change, or maybe it's just poor journalism. Who knows? It's probably a bit of everything. Until Palestine comes a story again, there's little to gain from the so-called West. Silence suits those who are complicit with Israel's many transgressions of international law. Let's face it, the less that's written about Palestine, the better for all Israel's friends. Every Western politician must know the contradiction between their espoused principles and their support for Israel. Best not shine a light on that. And that opportunity, which was in Qatar, 
shine a light on popular Arab support for Palestine was far too easily passed up by the journalists there who were otherwise very keen and quite rightly so to report on labor rights, women's rights and LGBTQ plus rights. <clears throat> so for all of the positivity that we saw on social media um, amongst Palestine, Palestinians and, and their supporters and all the funny clips we saw of Israeli journalists being rebuffed with, you know, Hurrah Palestine, etc. Um, I don't think in terms of PR, in terms of putting Palestine back on the agenda, uh, the World Cup really did that much. Um, it did do much though. It, it did do something, I should say, for Palestinians. Um, I think uh, it's difficult to it's obviously very, very difficult to um, uh, to measure in any sensible way. Uh, I do think that there is a very deep sense of neglect amongst Palestinians, that they're being forgotten uh, and their cause is being forgotten and ignored. Uh, and it's uh, a sense that is partly as a result of Israel taking full advantage. The fact that nobody's protesting, the fact that Palestinians seem more isolated than ever, and of course, the Abraham Accords. Um, so it was shot in the arm for, for, for Palestinians. It's important to see that solidarity with Palestine remains amongst Arab peoples, if not if nowhere else. Uh, and it, it was important to see the Palestinian flag waved regardless. Um, everything they say is politics and sport is not different. We can go back and look uh, 1980 Olympic games and the boycott of South African apartheid sports people uh, batting now of Russian sports. Uh, so politics and sports mix whatever FIFA and other sports bodies want to say. Um, there is a reason why signs in pubs in Ireland and bars in the US ban politics and sports as topics. They appeal to our tribalism. But like I say, while I understand the reaction, the positive reaction the World Cup has had, I think it'll have very little actual effect. I will say this though, World Cup that will give me hope is the one in which, I'm sorry to say, Israel is banned. If that ever happens, it will only happen because the world has finally said enough. And that is a sign of progress and probably the only sign of progress. Until then, and like I say, it's not to underplay the importance of solidarity. Just like a team on a pitch gains extra energy and extra will to fight from the supporters in the stands, uh, the show of support in Qatar is important to Palestinians to keep morale up. Perhaps not as big a victory as some would make out. Thank you. That's great, Tamir, if you could come back and um, let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, good afternoon for everyone. Um, and thank you, uh, team, and thank you, Diana, for uh, inviting me uh, to talk here. Um, and um, I would like to uh, continue uh, in, in the place where um, uh, Omar uh, stopped. Um, it, Omar provided a very pessimistic uh, view uh, about the potential influence of this uh, 
event of the World Cup on the Palestinian uh, case. And I, I think I share this pessimistic uh, estimate and I also uh, agree that it has been it, it has been a very uh, important days for Palestinians to feel that the, they are not being forgotten, that uh, their case is still in the mind of uh, many millions of people. Um, and I, I would like to take a more a broader look on the question whether football and sports in general can have a political effect in the case of uh, Palestine, Israel, and maybe uh, more broadly. Um, we, uh, historians of South Africa, uh, historians of sports do make the point that uh, there was a contribution of the sports boycott into the general sentiment of pressure on the uh, public in uh, South Africa and uh, indirectly on politicians. Obviously not the only reason, but it was, it was an element that was important. And uh, I, I agree that uh, if at a certain point, uh, FIFA will decide to suspend Israel, it might have an effect on the uh, Israeli public. Um, and I think if it will happen, it is not because the world finally will come to the conclusion that enough is enough because there have been enough reasons to do it before. If it will happen, it means that the uh, political balance of power in the international sphere have changed, um, has changed to allow that. Uh, and if it will happen, it might have an effect. So, um, and um, saying, talking about the current situation in Israel that uh, Israelis keep voting for uh, pro-occupation uh, politics. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is true, but uh, I, I know about surveys from South Africa in 1989 where only 4% of the white population supported um, and um, racially blind regime in South Africa and it suddenly changed. So we, there are many reasons to be pessimistic, but if I want to look for some glimpse of lights, I, I'm trying to look at what happened in the past and uh, maybe it could happen, maybe also through um, uh, football. So this is one aspect of potential influence of uh, football, but I want to look uh, at other aspects. Uh, there, were, there have been so many focus on uh, an interest on the issue of Palestinian flag in uh, Qatar. And I would like to provide some historical background for that. The, uh, if you go and uh, try to find out about the history of the uh, Palestinian Football Association, you go to Wikipedia or to other official websites, even Palestinian, you might see that the um, uh, Palestinian uh, Football Federation was established in 1928. Well, this is, uh, <laughs> Officially it's true, but the association that was built in 1928 uh, was a Zionist association. And only in order to satisfy some rules of FIFA, they invited a an Arab Palestinian representative uh, to uh, the uh, inaugurating uh, meeting, uh, but practically it was a, a Zionist uh, football association and the international uh, games that uh, Palestine participated at the time, at least those recognized by FIFA, were of that Zionist association without any participation of the uh, Arab players in the country. And 
there was a, 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 some attempts of the um, Arab uh, Football Association that was established in Palestine to change that. They appealed to FIFA. There were some uh, diplomatic moves to change it with the support of uh, neighboring Arab countries. But until um, it, uh, they were able to gain any uh, success in this effort, uh, the war of 1948, 47, 48 erupted. And um, after that, uh, it became uh, irrelevant with the uh, uh, destruction of Palestinian society, including almost all of the uh, football infrastructure that was established uh, in the Arab cities in Palestine uh, during the mandate period. Um, what is happening after that is that um, inside Israel, Palestinians who remained, and there were about 160,000 in uh, 1948, uh, they were under a severe and very strict uh, military rule that uh, did not allow them to develop their own football infrastructure. Uh, infrastructure but on the other hand, at a certain point, the Israeli authorities concluded that they cannot, they cannot um, prevent the popularity of football, but they can contain it. And um, they did allow football teams of Palestinians in Israel as long as they're part of the Israeli Football Association. And they even encouraged it in uh, certain ways. And um, for the Palestinian, uh, young generations, especially the men among them, football was a way to uh, compete physically against Jewish Israelis, some, sometimes win. It was connected to this nexus of masculinity, national pride, and they were attracted to that. But at the same time, um, it, in the imagination of many, it was connected to the state uh, because the state provided uh, the um, a new organizational infrastructure for playing football for Palestinians. Uh, the independent clubs were shut down very quickly. And in the long term, uh, and I'm doing, I'm doing now here fast forward uh, for many years, football has become a way of preserving the political status quo. I uh, even had, I conducted some surveys at the turn of the century, 1999, 2000, when you could clearly see that Arab men who do go to football uh, matches, who do go to the stadiums <clears throat> uh, in a high frequency tend to be more uh, accepting the political status quo. They were more likely to vote for Zionist candidates uh, in elections, um, a little bit more uh, in strange of their uh, Palestinian identity, there was a sense that this field um, is not a field of uh, Palestinian political protest, certainly not. Um, however, uh, sometimes uh, 15 years ago, we see a change. Um, we suddenly, not suddenly, but gradually, since 2008, we see Palestinian flags in the stadium. It did not happen. I am talking now about inside pre-67 Israel, I attended many, many uh, games. Uh, I haven't seen a Palestinian flag until that date. Um, and uh, I, it was not before, because it was illegal, especially after the signing of the Oslo process. Uh, the Palestinian flag was seen in public 
in Israel in political demonstrations of the Palestinian Israel in uh, uh, days of, of national commemoration, Land Day, uh, the anniversary for uh, the events of October 2000, cer certainly the commemoration of the Nakba that became more public and more uh, a, a massive uh, since uh, 1998. You could see Palestinian flags, but not in the stadium. Uh, in a way, we didn't see it because in this unwritten, uh, unwritten uh, agreement between Jewish fans and uh, Arab Palestinian fans, this is a form of protest, of defiance. And since the Palestinian flags did not want to estrange the Jewish uh, fans or the establishment, they did not bring it. They saw the stadium as a field of, as a sphere of integration in a an opportunity maybe with a hope to be accepted as equal citizens in the state of Israel. But um, the change happened uh, partly because it didn't function. It didn't help to promote uh, equality. It remained a bubble. It remained what I called an integrative enclave. So uh, especially after uh, the collapse of the Oslo process and uh, the uh, second Intifada, um, gradually uh, this approach of using the stadium as a field of uh, reproachment with the Jewish public was gradually abandoned. And this enabled the uh, bringing of the Palestinian national narrative, Palestinian national symbols into the stadium. And um, there were also other uh, process related to that. There is a global phenomenon of uh, uh, politicization of sports that we see also in the United States and in Europe over the past decade. There is also the influence of uh, social media. There is the influence of the um, political role of uh, uh, football fans in uh, in Egypt during the Arab Spring. There are, there are other elements, but certainly this disillusionment from the ability to get to use football as a channel for integration was certainly uh, influential here. And um, so we see more and more uh, Palestinian flags in the stadium, more and more Palestinian national protest in the stadium. And we see also something that is relatively recent that uh, Palestinian stars in the Israeli league started to express them th themselves politically. And this is new. I. Um, I, I did follow this phenomenon. It did not happen in the past. Palestinian stars in the Israeli national team were really very, very careful. Well, the, anyway, they faced a very racist uh, slurs. But in general, the uh, approach of the uh, of the fans and the association, and other players was was very inclusive, and uh, um, the players started to keep it as such. They were really uh, very careful. Recently. Palestinian uh, football stars start to express themselves in mainly in social media. And this created a backlash because um, the association, other players, uh, uh, Jewish fans, they did not know how to deal with that. When, uh, for example, Moanas Dabur, who was a star in the Israeli uh, national team in, uh, during um, uh, May uh, 2021, posted, uh, something a post in in his uh, in social media uh, with uh, criticism 
against the Israeli policy uh, in, in Jerusalem, and the, the reaction was very harsh. He was also booed later by uh, fans during the games of the Israeli national team. Uh, and he decided, because he felt that he did not gain the support of his uh, teammates in the team, uh, he decided to leave the team. And this will, I think we are, we live in a, in a moment of change here uh, because um, just uh, several years ago, you had um, in the same time, um, the highest number of Palestinian players in the Israeli national team. And it represents their, their professional success. Um, in the last roster, we had only one. This is a sharp decline. There are also some other reasons uh, which are circumstantial, but uh, we cannot disconnect this from the uh, political events. That there is uh, uh, the Israeli national team that was in the past very inclusive toward Palestinians, and it serves it served the interests of the uh, Israeli liberal media for self-flattering of oh, we are a, a country of self-opportunities, and it served the interest also of the Palestinian football players and their fans. So this uh, shared interest was not enough to uh, sustain the tension and uh, to, uh, to contain the tension that are um, underground or are taking place outside of the stadium. And uh, this is in the background of this decline of participation of Palestinians in the um, Israeli national team. And now we're coming to Qatar. The Palestinian um, national flag, that was um, in the Israeli context is so threatening for uh, Jewish Israelis suddenly appear in Qatar. And uh, it is important to make a pause here and say that in both uh, Israeli and Palestinian national imagination, popularly, the conflict is considered as a zero sum game, as a total game. When one has a success, as a victory, it means invisibility, it means a threat for the other side. And this is how it is uh, perceived by the vast majority of uh, Jewish Israelis, among them uh, football fans. So um, uh, I, I think the threat that you could see by the reaction of uh, Israeli journalists that uh, Omar, is, uh, Omar just mentioned um, is especially relevant for Jews of a Moroccan background, because in general, um, there has been lots of sympathy and support for the Moroccan national team among uh, Jews of a Moroccan background. I, I'm saying it based on anecdotes of conversations uh, with uh, acquaintances and friends. There has been lots of support and sympathy, but this sympathy for many became in conflict once the, the Moroccan uh, team waved the uh, Palestinian national flag. I do, not say, I do not say that it eliminated the support, but it creates attention, a dilemma for many people. Um, and um, I think it, it exposed the uh, <laughs> uh, dilemma and tensions in the identity of uh, uh, Moroccan Jews in Israel, that in general, um, even though they have suffered from discrimination and marginalization, they were certainly uh, were integrated uh, at, at least at the narrative level into the uh, Zionist story and uh, adopted in many ways the um, historical narrative of the 
uh, Ashkenazi movement that created uh, the Zionist uh, project and the uh, state of Israel. Uh, and, and at the same time, they have this uh, nostalgic sentiments and sympathy uh, for Morocco. So, um, uh, so, so this is where we saw this uh, tension that everything uh, came together. The uh, importance of uh, football for both Palestinians and Israelis, the uh, power of uh, symbols, uh, and especially the Palestinian uh, national flag, and it, it's very, very charged meanings for both uh, Palestinians and, and Israelis. So um, I think I will uh, stop here and uh, we'll be happy to uh, hear questions uh, from the audience. Thank you so much. That was really interesting. Um, we've got a bunch of really good questions already come in. Um, I'm going to start with one from Brooke Maddox, who's based in France, but I feel like what she says applies definitely for here in the UK. Um, she says here in France, where I live, there was considerable television and radio coverage of the, pro, of the pro-Palestinian interventions during the Qatar World Cup, but it was overshadowed by the call to boycott the games because of the appalling treatment of migrant workers, ecological catastrophe represented by the games, the flagrant violations by Qatar of LGBTQ and women's rights and so forth. So people found it difficult to separate the issues, i.e. to support Palestine and the other Arab teams like Morocco, during the COP while condemning Qatar for its flagrant violations of human rights. So there's no real question in there. I just wondered what your thoughts were on that comment because um, I know here in the UK, I felt that conflict as well. Up to you. Well, um, well I think that you, could, you could say, well, that there are many good reason, justify a reason to be angry about Qatar hosting and, and, and what was happening with the uh, uh, violation of human rights. Um, the issue is um, here it, that it is conflicting with the fact that um, there is no uh, universal standards for the uh, frustration of many because I wish Four years from now, we will see the same level of protest and anger uh, when the United States will host uh, the, this, this event. We can start already, already now. This is a country where the, you have still death penalty, um, a, a country which has more people in jail than any other country um, in, in the world. Um, and um, the uh, exploitation of uh, undocumented workers here is uh, really atrocious. Um, now, I I do not want to uh, make the, this what aboutism about Qatar. There was, there are problems. The um, protest is right. I cannot say uh, that there are no, there is no real case here. Um, I just hope for, uh, you know, uh, to make it credible that uh, it will be applied in a different uh, context as well. And uh, if we will be able to have the power to uh, influence countries to change the ways 
and it includes certainly the United States, I will be happy to use this power uh, through sports, but uh, not to do it uh, only against Qatar. Uh, and again, I think if we bring back uh, Omar's uh, comments earlier, if we would like to use football as a way to, to influence politics, um, suspending those countries which are uh, at the edge of violating human rights from FIFA would be a nice way to start. So um, let's go to this direction. I will be there. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can't really add much to that. I was going to mention that the next World Cup is going to be in the US uh, and the last one was in Russia. And so the coverage uh, this year has been uh, very critical, which there's nothing wrong with, and there are legitimate reasons for being critical of Qatar, definitely. Um, uh, and the, the fact that, but, if, you know, Palestine is a separate story. Uh, and so, yes, if there is consistency, you can be critical of Qatar and critical of, 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 of and bring this story of Palestinian solidarity to fall without the two necessarily clashing. I think it is a shame that at a, a sporting event where solidarity with Palestine was so prominent, it was kind of uh, undermined um, by the controversy over, over the host. Um, but that's just the way it is. I don't imagine we'll see the same level of Palestine solidarity in the US next time, uh, sadly. Um, but it would be good, uh, like Tamir says, uh, if the same level of scrutiny is applied. Thanks for that. We've got a couple of comments and questions about um, Celtic and their support of Palestine. Um, so we've got from Patrick Lonergan, who says he follows football in the UK and he's seen Celtic fans display the Palestinian flag at home games. Um, the sections of Celtic fans, of course, identify with Ireland and have supported Ireland's conflict with the UK in the past and therefore have this affinity with the Palestinian cause. Um, and Diana Neslin, um, I find it interesting in Britain, that in Britain, open support for Palestine is sanctioned. For instance, Celtic fans, um, Celtic was fined when their fans flew the Palestine flag and the flag was banned. Our politicians support the silencing of Palestinian voices. So at least in Qatar, Palestine was amplified. Do you have any comments on, on that, the Celtic debate? I mean, the one comment I would make was that um, if you're going to have a policy, be consistent with it. Uh, and so when Forest Green Rovers or Celtic are penalized for uh, you know, a show of support for Palestine, uh, then don't allow the Ukraine flags, etc., 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 which uh, were very prominently allowed uh, over the past months. Um, so you just be consistent, really. Uh, I think Celtic, I know some Celtic supporters, uh, and I know that much of that has to do with a spillover from Northern Ireland. Um, and um, But I am very happy for their support, and I myself am a Celtic supporter in return. So there you go. Well, um, I think the, uh, what we see among Celtic supporters, which uh, yeah, it came from uh, from uh, Northern Ireland, uh, it's um, in a way an extension of the uh, sympathy to the Palestinian cause in the Third World, and they 
pre in the previously colonized countries. So uh, it comes from Ireland exactly for this uh, historical background of uh, certain sympathy uh, for people who are uh, victims of uh, colonialism. Uh, this is the connection. Uh, sometimes what happened with symbols that at a certain point they lose their original uh, cause, like I'm not sure that today every Celtic fans is aware that uh, there is a connection. It's like um, Tottenham or Ajax, uh, they have Israeli flags, and I'm sure many of the supporters have not really, they don't have a good explanation for that, uh, because there, there is, now it became an arbitrary symbol like like uh, other logos of, of teams. But uh, this is how I see it as an historical background for them. Well, I will say that Celtic fans are always keen to buy me a drink at the pub when they hear that I'm Palestinian. So for that, I am grateful um, eternally. And this is another question, question from Patrick um, Lonergan. I think it's, it's Lonergan, otherwise it's Eonergan. Um, can Tamir clarify if Palestinian players play for teams like Haifa and Maccabi? Um, who play in the Champions League and Europa Cup, are there Israeli teams that ban Palestinians, either outrightly or indirectly? Yeah, actually uh, there are, uh, Palestinians are uh, present, they, they play in Israeli professional teams. Uh, they represent Israel, especially in Maccabi Haifa. Maccabi Haifa spe specifically has a tradition of including uh, Palestinian players, and it goes back to the 1950s, long before you had the Palestinian players in other uh, Israeli teams. And uh, this is why, at least until the uh, ascendance of Sakhnin as the flagship of the uh, Palestinians uh, in Israel, Maccabi Haifa has been the most popular team among Palestinians in Israel by far, no doubt about it. And I think I do not have, uh, I do not have contemporary data but I think it is still there. The support for Maccabi Haifa among Palestinian fans is huge and it is related to their uh, inclusion of uh, Palestinian players. No doubt about that. Now, the rule that I mentioned of having Palestinian players in every professional uh, team in Israel in the top division is Beitar Jerusalem. Beitar Jerusalem uh, is, um, uh, it, it's, not an official policy of not uh, hiring uh, Palestinians. They cannot say that officially, but every time the managers were trying just to hint in this direction of hiring a Palestinian player, the protest that came from the fans uh, was so harsh that uh, they just stepped back and didn't do it. The um, uh, history of uh, Beta is not Betar Jerusalem has been a, a right-wing club since the, it was established in the 1930s. Uh, someone even described them as a terrorist organization who had a, a football club. Basically, many of the players were members of the uh, underground Irgun at the time. But until the 1990s, they were not explicitly racist in terms of uh, chanting uh, anti-Arab slogans and the, these death to the Arab slogan that we can, we can hear now. Something happened in the 90s uh, related to the particular place of Jerusalem in the conflict. Um, and um, gradually since the 90s, 
the uh, explicit racism of Beitar became part of their identity. And this is tragic because one of their uh, songs is that we are the racist team of the country. Like they like, they adopted this, um, this uh, slogan. And I, I do not see that it is going to change. To, it became part of the uh, team's identity. Can I just ask, is there some sort of, is there a link between how mixed a town or city is in terms of Israelis and Palestinians um, and how mixed their football team is, or is that just completely irrelevant? Well, there is, but the, the link is not so clear because uh, Haifa is a mixed city. And uh, it has been related to relatively good relations between uh, Jews and Palestinians in the country. And it goes back to the mandate period. Collaboration, uh, work together in the uh, field of uh, uh, work, uh, labor, uh, shared strikes. Uh, there is a history in Haifa for that. Um, in Jerusalem, the fact that it is a mixed city, but is with an extremely hierarchical structure. Like, so <laughs> you have a city where the Jews are citizens, and the Palestinians are not. This is not the case in Haifa. There is inequality, but they're both uh, Israeli citizens. So I would say that there is a relation, but it's a very complicated one. It's not a linear one. It does not go to the same direction in each context. Well, complicated and depressing is the theme of most of our webinars. So. Yeah. Can I ask, Tamir, um, uh, after the Abraham Accords were signed, the UAE, I think, bought a stake in Beta Jerusalem? There was a, a move toward that, and then um, it turned out that the businessman who intended to buy uh, Betar Jerusalem from uh, Dubai, I think, um, it, there was something uh, wrong with uh, his account. Uh, it, it probably he, he did not have the asset he claimed to have, and this was um, it was removed from the table. But the interesting thing is the phase between the announcement until it happened. Because the uh, reaction of the fans of the, at least the, the hardcore fans of uh, La Familia, which is the ultras of uh, Betar Jerusalem, was very harsh. They yeah. said, well, no price is worth that to be owned by an, an Arab team. And we don't care if they're, they're our friends from the Gulf. We just don't want that. Uh, it yeah. was interesting that they really stood against that with, um, you know, I, uh, unambiguous uh, resistance. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I just thought it'd be interesting to highlight that because it was uh, touted as one of the possible benefits of the Abraham Accords. But I, I was really interested. I, I really, uh, I looked forward to the moment when they will be bought by an Arab team and to see the reaction <laughs> of the fans. It didn't happen, unfortunately. Well, you saw this. You, you kind of saw the reaction of the fans. You no, know, but when, will they continue to go to the games? I don't know. It's. Uh... Oh, yeah. 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 Um, well, we've got a couple of questions um, regarding FIFA. Um, so, for example, Derek Payne says, what pressure is being put on FIFA over the issue of settlement teams playing in the domestic Israeli leagues? This is not only against international law, but it's also against FIFA's own rules. Um. Tamir, do you want to take what that? would I like to talk? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't actually know what FIFA are doing about that specific issue. So I would say FIFA have recognized Palestine as a as a as a proper uh, 
a member, as a full member of, of its of its organization, which means they recognize Palestine as a state, which is an interesting departure for, because not every member state of FIFA obviously does the same. So FIFA has been positive, at least in some respects. So I, I'm, I'm not sure though on in this particular issue. Uh, well, I, I can add to that that uh, in 1998, Palestine was uh, accepted as a member of FIFA. And it has participated in, it, it, there was a Palestinian national team even before that, since the 1950s. But the uh, the uh, Palestine was accepted to FIFA in 1998. And if I'm not wrong, it was in 2015 when uh, Palace, the Palestinian Football Association uh, demanded that uh, FIFA will uh, ban Israel because Israel includes uh, teams from the settlements in it in the Israeli Football Association, which is, uh, yeah, it contradicts uh, FIFA's rules, uh, but it was not enough to uh, contradict FIFA's rules because you need also the political power to impose these rules. And Palestinians did not have this political power inside FIFA to make changes. Uh, don't expect FIFA to just implement some uh, abstract universalist moral values. This is not how FIFA works. There, there, is, there is politics there. And as long as uh, Israel has the political power in FIFA, it will not happen. Again, things will change if the general uh, political imbalance of power will change. But as long as this is the situation, I do not see it. Uh... Yeah, so we have a couple of comments about Russian teams being banned from international competitions and the hypocrisy of that. Um, so you're saying that this is, again, more politics and we shouldn't be expecting some sort of blanket policy to apply to all. Well, only if you have the political leverage with FIFA, I think it seems to be. Um, I Look, I, I think that, you know, this idea that sports and politics are separate is, is, is just not, it just, they're very, very basic actually in many ways. And very similar. Um, I think that I've had plenty of old South Africa journalists uh, who covered the end of apartheid tell me that actually one of the one of the really defining moments was the sporting boycott because rugby and cricket and other other sports played a very very important role in South African identity and sense of themselves. Um, and so, like I said before, I, I think. The one World Cup uh, where I will send some changes, the World Cup where, where Israel has been banned, because I do think uh, these uh, have, of course, um, enormous power, such boycotts. Uh, and, and I do, but I do understand also why, you know, people are reluctant to, to go there. So once enough political pressure has been, been built up, like we've seen with Russia um, uh, after a year, well, eight at most. Um, once enough political pressure has been built up on FIFA to to ban Israel, then then enough political pressure has been built up globally um, to actually do something about it. Um, until then, I'll be skeptical that 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 sports will change anything. And um, is there anything that we can do? Um, this has come from a bunch of different people in different ways. But is there anything that we can do um, as individuals? here based in the UK? Is there, you know, does writing to FIFA help? Um, 
Do we bring it to the attention of the media? What can we do to help bring that along? Uh, I mean, I think I think making your voices, making your voice heard always helps um, uh, insofar as it's another voice to add to it. Um, will it take a long time? I think it'll take a very long time. I think FIFA, of all sports organizations, is eminently influenceable, if you like, uh, in that uh, it's, a, it's a somewhat dodgy organization that's very centrally controlled. Um, um, but you've got to be able to pull those levers, uh, uh, and I'm not sure Palestinians are able to do that. I think it'd be very fruitful if they did. I'm not sure what anyone as an individual could do other when, other than just voice your voice your displeasure, voice your support for a boycott, not be afraid of voicing a support for a boycott, because uh, even raising that possibility apparently seems controversial these days. Well, I, I agree. The, the only thing that uh, people uh, can help is keep raising their voice uh, we, with the hope that it will be, it will accumulate at a certain point to a critical mass. So audience, please do share this webinar with anyone that you think might be interested um, because we'll be going on the website by tonight, so um, it will be shareable. Um, this question is from me. Uh, which one do you think would be more impactful and also most likely to ever happen? A World Cup where Israel is banned or a World Cup hosted in Palestine? Hmm. Well, I think one has to come before the other. That, that is Israel banned first. But who knows? Maybe we can avoid that whole issue, but I, I see no signs of it at the moment. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm pessimistic. So are you are you asking about World Cup that will take place in Palestine? Yeah, wouldn't that be fun? Uh, well, um, currently... <laughs> I know, highly unlikely. I would say, I would say where... <laughs> but so is where, Israel being banned. Huh? I know it's highly unlikely, but I feel like so is Israel being banned at this point. So I was just wondering which one would be better for us and which one would be... Uh, well, I, I don't think that... I think if if uh, football will take place in Palestine at the moment, it will still be under Israeli rule and it will take place according to the Israeli conditions. So I don't see it as a something uh, uh, positive. Obviously, it's a fantasy. It's not something that's going to happen. You're not uh, having, a, a, you know, a, a, such a tournament in this kind of political uh, environment. Uh, but um, I, I want to say something about this uh, issue of uh, boycott. That there is an argument that you hear from the more liberal side of Israeli politics that football is the place where there is more uh, rapprochement between the Jews and Arabs, so why target this area? You hear it a lot. Uh, and it, it, does, it does not come from the right wing, it comes from more, more of the liberal forces in Israel. Said, well, leave football alone, this is where Jews and Arabs come together. And it's true, if you go to the Israeli, most, in the, most of the team, you do see Palestinian uh, citizens of Israel, Jewish citizens of Israel play together, okay. But the argument here is that football is a relatively tolerant sphere of the Israeli uh, politics. But last year I made a survey and I compared the 
um, tendency of uh, people in Israel or Jews, Jewish citizens of Israel to uh, accept uh, equality, to accept inclusion of Palestinians in, Israel, in Israeli politics or having a, a Palestinian party in the coalition, are they ready for that? And you would expect that if football is such a power of tolerance, they will uh, be among football fans, you will find a higher level of uh, acceptance. By the way, we did find something like that uh, in uh, among fans of Liverpool after Mohamed Salah became a star in Liverpool, uh, according to, to, to one study, you could see more, uh, less Islamophobic attitudes among Liverpool fans compared to before. So it could happen. But what I found is that actually there is no difference between Israelis, Jewish Israelis who are fans of football and other Jewish Israelis. Actually, politically, it's the same environment exactly in the other side. So uh, at least this as an argument against boycott, I do not find as valid. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think I'd agree. I think, I think, like I say before, football is uniquely um, tribal in a way that politics is actually. Um, not many other things are. Uh, and as a result, I think that it's very easy in the head of a football fan, I'm a football fan, to separate your tribal allegiance to your football club with your political uh, beliefs and even let them contradict as much as possible. That's not an issue the issue is loyalty to your ideas really um and so i don't think i think that i mean i'm surprised to hear that you suggest that football is somehow a, a liberal sphere it it's not the common thing associated with football fans um um but i i certainly don't see that as a as, as a boycott as a, an argument against boycott i do think the power of a sports boycott is precisely because sports are generally popular, this is a real sort of slap in the face of whatever country is being boycotted uh, and the fans of their sports. So that's a proper conflict between loyalties. So that, that's an argument for a boycott, of course. Thanks for that. Um, so I've got a question from Ian Drummond. Um, would a broader-based national team, um, I presume Palestinian national team, with players from the refugee diaspora, um, 48 may be too difficult, be a good idea to have a bigger pool of talent and be less dependent on the tender mercies of the IDF? Would this even be possible under FIFA rules? I think, uh, I'll, yeah, I'm happy to, to start with that. Uh, I think uh, certainly it would be possible. Um, I think uh, as uh, the, the Palestinian Authority has the power to determine who is a Palestinian, who's Gambus Palestinian. Uh, the problem, one problem would be, practical problem would be, of course, that presumably uh, those players from the diaspora would need uh, Palestinian uh, passports. Um, and these passports are ultimately approved by Israel. Uh, and so it would be very simple for Israel to control who would then count as a Palestinian. Um, but in theory, that practical um, uh, sort of obstacles, if you set that aside, in theory, I'm all for any kind of move in any field that brings diaspora Palestinians and Palestinians on the ground closer together, um, particularly in the area of PLO reform, that's a different issue. Uh, and uh, I think it's, it's very important for so many reasons, mostly for, actually mostly probably for Palestinians and diaspora, um, to be connected. 
So I think it'd be a great idea. I think the practical impediments are at the moment certainly insurmountable. I mean, not to mention training timetables and so forth, but it oh, would sure, mean, sure, 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 sure. It but would all mean of, that all you that, and I, Omar, obstacle to that, then I think you could overcome that somehow. But um, yeah, if the Israelis are going to ban people from taking on Palestinian IDs, then you, it's not going to happen. Yeah. All right, well, we'll just have to wait for our moment, won't we? Um, <laughs> I've got a question, I think, for you, Tamir. What, uh, from Simon Marchant, what about school football teams? Do Israeli and Palestinian children play in the same teams at school level? Um, it almost does not exist because Israel has uh, separate education systems uh, for uh, Jewish Israelis and uh, Palestinians. Uh, it's partly because of, of language. So uh, there are schools in Arabic, school in Hebrew, they are just do not share the same schools. Uh, there are a very, uh, like a fraction of percentage of uh, of uh, Jews, Jewish Israelis and Palestinians go to the same schools. There are about five bilingual schools in the country and they don't have, uh, as much as I know, a football team, they're small. So um, they do meet and compete against, against each other in the high school uh, competitions, but not, not on the same team. Um, thanks for that. Uh, I was going to end on a high note, but I am not, because the next question is from Megan Singodia. Um, how can we highlight naming and death of Palestinian players, for example, Bakr brother in Gaza by Israeli occupying forces? We've had quite um, some incidents of Palestinian football players being injured. Um, is that something that can be raised with FIFA, or have we abandoned the idea of raising things with FIFA? Oh, no, I think it is raised with FIFA. I, I know that particularly after uh, Jibril Rajoub took over. Uh, I mean, I think football is a political platform as well for people who are involved in it. And and so when Rajoub took over the Palestinian Football Federation initially and now the Olympic Federation, I think he's been quite keen to raise this with FIFA. And uh, FIFA has come out with some words. Um, but it's FIFA. I mean, it's not... You know, it, it is, at the end of the day, a, a football organizing body, not a political body. Um, the, the, the main function, positive function FIFA could play would be to ban Israel. Um, but beyond that, after that, it's just, it's just words from a footballing body that are easily ignored. Uh, in terms of bringing to light the sort of wounding of Palestinian footballers. Well, they're just, they're just people, um, you know, and like any other Palestinian in occupied territory, they're in the line of fire and they're young men generally. So even more in the line of fire. Um, and so um, I think that, uh, yes, you can highlight it. Uh, and possibly every article on Israel's football team should be accompanied with a clause, a sort of standard clause going, by the way, Israel wounded however many Palestinian or imprisoned or banned or whatever. Um, but beyond that, I'm, I'm not sure how that separates itself from, from the general sort of situation. Well, I agree. The problem is that 
Israeli snipers shoot Palestinians, not that they shoot Palestinian footballers. Sometimes they happen to be footballers. Uh, so it could be highlighted, but uh, it's, it's not a separate issue. Thanks for that. Um, I, will, I will end on one more question because I wanna help Brian Chapman out with his problem. He says, as a Fulham fan and a Palestinian supporter, I feel compromised as an Israeli player joined our squad. Could I give him my full support anyway? So like you were saying, this conflict of loyalties. Mm -hmm. Any advice for Brian? Mm -hmm. Enjoy the football. <laughs> um, uh, give him a, a stern lecture about the treatment of Palestinians before and after every game and see how it improves his performance or not. Well, I, I wouldn't uh, uh, I wouldn't target individuals because before because of their nationality. So you have a, political issues with Israel. Uh, you can boycott Israeli goods, boycott Israeli diplomats. If you have uh, players, player is uh, a player, as long as he does is not a representative, an official representative of the country. So wait and see if he voices any political opinions himself and then decide whether to support him as an individual or not, right? Um, well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. This was very much last minute um, planned um, webinar. And we're really grateful for you making time because it just felt really timely with the World Cup, obviously. Um, and, you know, everyone a bit freer now that they don't have football matches to watch. So why not a webinar on football? Um, so thank you so much, Omar and Tamir. I hope you have a lovely festive season and thank you so much everyone for coming along um now's my time to do a little plea as you know i always do um we like to keep these webinars free because we want to have as many people attend as possible but we are entirely dependent on donations so please do consider if you wouldn't mind uh donating the cup of uh, price of a cup of coffee or something i've posted a link to our donate page in the chat box and um, better yet, you can sign up to be a friend of the Balfour Project. That means signing up to donate a regular amount, monthly or yearly, of any amount. And you will get free tickets to some of our paid events, like film screenings online and so forth, and, um, and some other benefits here and there. We just had our first um, friends meeting, uh, where friends were able to have a chat with Vincent Fien, our vice chair, and um, Andrew Whitley, our chair, as well as Sandra Hamouni, our the chair of our executive committee, to get an idea of what the project is up to and so forth. So um, please do, oh, I've just got a report that my link isn't working. So I will post a link to the website and then you can click on the donate button. Um, thank you very much for uh, David Wetton for bringing that to my attention. So once again, thank you so much, all of you for coming along and especially to me and Omar for joining us. Um, I will be sharing the chat box with them so they will see all of your lovely comments and also the questions I didn't get to. Thank you very much and have a lovely evening. Bye everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you.